Welcome to the family with Heck, Master Ruff, to Bash MD. Who gave me that martini? Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt Bernard. And who else in Los Angeles? Kristen Burt. Thanks, Kristen Burt. It's true. Kristen was doing some arm stretches during the morning show this morning. Yeah. And she can stretch her arms so far back, her shoulders disappear. Yikes. <laughs> oh, my God. How does your whole body just... You should be in Cirque du Soleil. Oh, look at that. She's showing off. Oh, you got hyperextension. Oh, you got the double-jointed oh. elbows. Oh. Hyperextension. Not a good thing, necessarily. Oh. Not necessarily. No, it's true. We were talking about that. My, you know, every time I sit there and go for, because I'm very, very flexible, even in my yeah. post-dancing years, they're like, you have to make sure you keep up your strength because mm-hmm. that can be a hindrance to some of your joints. Yep. My, my shoulders are super flexible, too, and I used to have horrible pain in them because I would I would stretch them, but I didn't work out, so they were weak. Yep. So you got to watch out for that. Got to protect Flexibility your is a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it's and it's good, but if your core is not strong and mm-hmm. you're not working out, it is not a blessing later on in life. Let that be a lesson to you. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen, keep the workouts up. Kristen, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Look at Catherine. Why are we looking at mom? Can you tell she was out cocktailing it up with her buddies last night? <laughs> oh, the booze, the booze hound you were she talking about this morning? I don't know how I, all of a sudden, we went out to dinner on a Monday night, which we never, ever do. Had a couple glasses of wine. Fine. It was just a very light rosé. Not boozy. Didn't feel it. Get home and our neighbors are out. And next thing I know, I have a martini in my hand. I'm like, what? Hmm. How did this? Huh? I I didn't order this. I was overserved. <laughs> I went to bed. That's all I know. I stayed for about an hour and then I went to bed. I was overserved. I was overserved in the cul-de-sac. <laughs> yeah, how did it ever get down your throat when you were overserved? Well, it was a delicious martini. Oh, well, that'll make And I didn't difference. want to insult him because he said that he had a really good recipe and he was right. Jeff knows was how to make it. Was it a dirty martini? I love it. No, it was a Cosmo. Mm. Oh, those are well, like, you said he handed you a martini blade. too, though. Yeah. Well, Cosmo is a type of martini. Oh, kinda. is it? Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't but know that. But he doesn't make it sweet. I don't, don't like him sweet at all. It's so. still like Kool-Aid, though. It's just like it's pink and it's pretty and How you're like, No, you can't say no. How do you say no to a Cosmo? No, you don't. <laughs> okay, I got to read two quick headlines before we move on. Tim has joined us as well. And uh, I was not boozing it up last night. That's not why I'm well, late, So Catherine had it covered for everybody. I did. So... <laughs> Come back for me. <laughs> okay, this is a headline in the Star Tribune this morning. You ready? Um, these Trader Joe's cookies may contain rocks. How does that happen? <laughs> it depends on what kind of rocks. It might be pumice, good for your teeth. How do you get rocks in your cookie batter? I don't uh, understand that. I don't know. You know what, though? That is that is definitely a case for them to cover the br- broken teeth that you sustain. Yeah. From <laughs> I would hope so. My God. Maybe it was in the flour? I don't know. Uh, it, That's a good a question. A very dirty factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would wonder about that factory if they're or, getting rocks in uh, there. Yeah, I suspect some a-holes just throwing rocks in there. Well, to maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah you worry be. about that because everything else, well, I don't know, do they have, what kind of cookies are they? They um, are almond windmill cookies and dark chocolate chunk and almond cookies. Yeah. So almond and almond. I so. they were Rocky Road. Yeah. Oh, see, Rocky ba, ba, Road, do, baby. Do, do. They haven't said anything. They just said these are the cookies and they may have rocks in them. Yeah, I think someone put them in. They that, that, may have rocks. Don't rocks. Come in. They, yeah. Rocks don't come in with stuff like that that isn't harvested out of the ground. Somebody could have brought in a toddler. You know how they love rocks. That's true. Oh, yeah. You yeah, throwing you. them well, in. spreads rocks throughout the land. Growing up, when we, uh, because my dad was a law enforcement officer, when we would call in a to-go order from a local <laughs> restaurant, I would never give my last name. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had heard that people had spit in our food. Because, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I never so, send anything yeah. back. I'd rather just not eat it and go home. Yep. Or I just give a very, <laughs> even to this day, I don't know. Maybe I'm just way paranoid from the past, but I'll give a variation of my name. I might go with Lamb or something or go with TJ. Now I'm giving away my secrets. Yeah. Lamb. Lamb. He's on the order going to be spitting in their food. So, no, no. I. It's very real. People, they do things like that just to be a-holes, I'm telling you. They do. Remember the Tylenol thing? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. That's right. Oh. 
People are nuts out oh, there. Too soon. Too soon. So do you think maybe somebody put these rocks in there on purpose? Is that what you're saying? Oh, could be. Very yeah. well could be. You just be. don't know. Without question. Well, I mean. Yeah. Well, well it's like, are we talking about like tiny pebbles that could have gotten into the dough or it's like you open it and there's a rock there? I don't know. Because if it's the latter, clearly someone put it there yeah. as a joke yeah. or something like that. But if it's a rock in the bag. Disgruntled employee, you never know. Yeah, yeah, but still yeah I mean, it. if it's the size of a stone, like the size yeah, exactly. of a ball, that's a joke. But if yeah. it's little pebbles that somebody might have gotten into the dough, and then you could, yeah, you could really break your teeth on those. Well, um. It's like that woman that supposedly, did you hear about this? The woman that pulled over on the side of the road, she said she saw a toddler. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Good she disappeared. That, yeah. that yep. was a complete yep. hoax. Of course yep. it was. I, they won, they, I knew it was a hoax from the beginning. They made 68. Th- I thought she was like this heroic person and she was a victim of like a kidnapping idea, sort of yes. thing. Well, I mean, it's not that, out of the realm of possibilities. They too. tried raising money for her. She got $68,000 and they're saying that they're, oh they're not going to give it back. Of and course she, they're not. They're bad people. Well, she's, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's, she's going to have to pay back probably law enforcement anyway so she's gonna get it's not gonna be hers to begin with there'll be a class action lawsuit against her or something for sixty eight thousand dollars that's a lot of money all the investigation money will have to be paid back well let's just take this to the celebrity level oh jesse smollett never paid back all the money the chicago pd i don't know i wonder is he working can he work now, but I thought wasn't part of his sentence to repay the money that was mm-hmm. put. In. And there was a lot of man hours, uh, people hours put into sure that investigation. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah, I mean Chicago PD. I, I'm going to imagine too that they probably, if he's not paying it, they'll garnish his wages. So I would hope. But yeah. who wouldn't walk around Chicago with a noose around your neck for three hours? Mm-hmm. In, in sub-zero in weather. Like, yeah, negative 20-degree temperatures. Well, he's keeping his neck warm, clearly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you see, go. You have to see Chappelle's take on the whole thing. Oh, One really? of the funniest damn things I've ever seen. He's coming you to the XL. You find a clip of it in, on YouTube of Jesse Smollier. He calls him a French actor. He does a, <laughs> he, he, it's hilarious. Oh, my God, it's funny. Uh, Tom, what were you saying? Is Chappelle coming in or something? Uh, Cancelled comedian Dave Chappelle returning to Twin Cities for an XL Center gig. Doesn't have the the date uh, for it, so I'll click on it and see if I can find you the date. Should he come to Minnesota? Will that be... Or he lives in Ohio, in a small town in Ohio. Yeah, he does. He's a very, very funny guy. He is hilarious. It says uh, Sunday, October 27th. Well, no, wait a minute. That's when he last performed here. It's going to be on September 23rd. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, September 23rd, what is that? Is that? It's got to be a weekend, I would assume. I think that's, I think that's a Saturday. Is it a Saturday? It's yeah. Friday or Saturday. Well, look, what he's doing is he had, and the reason they're saying canceled was because he was supposed to play First Avenue, and they have a policy where people need to feel safe, have to have the safe spaces, mm-hmm. and they didn't feel safe with Chappelle after co- employees complained. Oh, yeah, so it was employees. Varsity yeah. or someplace, or Northrop, or someplace like that. But, you know, you're talking about 10 small gigs. Right. He's probably figuring, I'm just going to pack everybody into the XL now. XL or Target? Uh, it says XL. XL, yeah. So Wow, that's a big space. And he is going to pack them in. September 23rd oh, yeah. is a Saturday. It is a Saturday. It's also <clears throat> Restless Leg Awareness Day and Za'atar Day. What's that? Za'atar is a type of seasoning made from sesame seeds. Oh, that. That's Za'atar. No, why? Za'atar is delicious. It is. It is. It's good stuff. It's really like good stuff. The Restless Leg Syndrome Day. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Do you know that you awareness. have to renew and pay for that every single year? It's like forty, fifty thousand dollars Really? For you to own the day, yeah. Oh. Huh. Who, do you, who do you buy it from? Yeah, who owns the these days? <laughs> a governor? I don't know who owns them, but you have to pay someone. I, I only know this because a reality star bought OOTD, which is Outfit of the Day, and they bought it one year, and they're like... This is going to be a national holiday every year. And then they realize they have to renew it. And she's like, I'm not paying 40000 every year. She's like, terrible investment. Yeah. I want to know yeah, who's making all... this money. Who's yeah. charging this money? 
I don't know. Yeah. Some sort of calendar. Well, Pope Gregory is the one who gave us the Gregorian calendar, so ostensibly it would be him. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to the church. Mm-hmm. It goes to the estate of Pope Gregory. That's right. Maybe That's you just make it. up like a national calendar association and then start charging people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how long have we had this calendar? It's old news. We need a new one. The it's Bernardian like the calendar. International, the international star registry. Remember those commercials? All where you a could scam. Buy a star. That was a hot <laughs> gift for a while. It was for a long time, but it was, it's not real. You can't like have them officially renamed by NASA or whoever decides the names. They're all. Uh, it's just made up, unfortunately. <laughs> I need to make this up and then start charging people. This is a great racket. I know. A racket. Well, it's like they used to sell, like, one square foot parcels of land on the moon, remember? Oh, that's right. You can't do that. That's not... Every country in the world has basically agreed no one is allowed to own any part of the moon. Why why is everybody so anxious to get there? Everybody's sending probes to the moon. That is. like, there's nothing there. It's just dust. Get over it. It's true. Um, One quick thing. Uh, Next Monday... You will be allowed to smoke pot in uh, public in the state of Minnesota. Oh, I thought we already um, could. Some, no. I mean, we can. <clears throat> it's just it's de facto legal here because the oh, cops don't uh, have any power. But it's going to be fully legal on Monday. And the problem I have with this whole thing is there is no difference between smoking a cigarette and a joint. Why would people cigarette. smoke that stuff? Oh. I'm just talking, why would you inhale <laughs> smoke? I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me, and once, no. and once it's legalized nationally, and the cigarette companies get a hold of it, you know whatever additives they choose to put mm-hmm. in there, it's going to be yeah. just like cigarettes, <laughs> and people are going to smoke a pack of marijuana cigarettes every day. They are. Very few people smoke <laughs> cigarettes because they're like, oh man, I love this, it's great. It's they started out doing it. And it was fun for a while, or it was because mm-hmm. of peer pressure or whatever. But weight almost loss. a lot of people do. All weight yeah. loss is a big one, yeah. yeah. Um, but almost all habitual smokers do it because they must, not because they want to. Yeah, I have one acquaintance who who started to use Nicorette gum for weight loss, and had to start smoking to get off the Nicorette gum. <laughs> oh, a true story. It's a true story. They started started hitting okay. the heaters. <laughs> I thought most what? people ate gummies and stuff. I didn't think they really smoked it that much. I was going to say, how many gummies do you have to take to get the same impact as a joint? Or just one. Because, well, it depends on the dosage, just one. But the, the, the whole point is that when you, you take a gummy, it's 15, 20 minutes, half an hour before you feel the effects. But smoking the marijuana, it's, it's mm-hmm. much quicker. It's also minutes, less bioavailable when you eat it. Yeah. It's less, of course, in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Just, okay, think. so you smoke but, a joint while you pop a gummy, and then you're covered for at least four hours. But you can vape it, and you can, you, can do, is... you can aerosolize it into your nose. So there's ways to absorb it. Yep. The idea of smoking, I think, is the stupidest thing in the world. I agree. It, it is god-awful for people around you because it just absolutely stinks, and it's not healthy. Well, about it, vaping, there's a big campaign right now, especially among mothers with teenage kids, is they're being told that vaping is worse than smoking. Which it is, it's just not. Well, they don't know what they're putting in that stuff either, because a lot of that stuff comes from whoever, who knows. Well, but you could say the same thing about cigarettes. You buy some bootleg cigarettes from some guy in prison, you're going to get who God knows what in there. But they make all these candy-flavored vapes. That's what the thing is, is that they're targeting children. Before the pandemic, wasn't the marijuana vaping? That was like a huge Mm -hmm. issue that obviously went away with a lot of other things during the pandemic. But, I mean, we're talking about vaping companies taking huge hits. I thought vaping was going to go away. It was yeah, so intense, the news cycle, uh, the coverage of yeah. it. But well, apparently, it, like I say, everything went away with uh, the pandemic. Well, everything has everything to do with lobbyists. Yeah, and cigarette smoking has never gone away. Look That's how much true. bad coverage there's been for that. It's been around for ages. and yeah. one, of the, one of the worst smelling things in the world, worst smelling things in the world is grape scented oh, marijuana god, yeah. oh god i bet grapes scented mm-hmm. marijuana we looked at a condo a uh, while back and i walked in got off the elevator on the floor and it was filled with this oh god awful smell mm-hmm. grape scented marijuana so all that's the flavored the marijuanas are going to come out oh, what a that's joke. the thing i can never get past is the smell it's just yeah. it's one of the worst smells there is well, that's why they I call think. it skunkweed well, yeah but it's not for every now everybody can be sensitive to that not everybody some is people, sensitive to some it. some people like the smell but i i would rather smell a skunk than weed 
Sometimes like it's one and the same. I mean, I say say they're very like similar, but I can tell a difference. Weed I, has more of like a sharp, I don't know, like an oppressive aroma to it. I know our condo building has some major league. Oh yeah, yeah. Every so often on our floor, <laughs> you come true. out of the elevator, you're just like, holy yeah. god! Is it legal? Is it legal in Florida? Florida. Florida medical marijuana has been legal for quite some time, and I think that they're passing recreational too. I think so. Yeah. No, Ralph, I have a question for you yeah. <clears throat> about this very thing. Yes, please. Because from what I understand, that smoking weed gives some people th suicidal thoughts. What are they going to do about that? Well, it gives you paranoid thoughts. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's a standard <laughs> thing. Psychosis, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've never had THC in my life because I'm like, I would be person to have like a panic attack yeah. or yeah. usually <laughs> it makes me paranoid yeah it makes I, me so paranoid yeah. it would be yeah, you can't even have italian reds so yeah i can't yeah, it's really bad news for a lot of people but then so is alcohol there's a lot of people two drinks and they just become rage monsters so and yet yet they want to legalize psychedelics and there's a finite group of people who take a single dose of psychedelics and, yep. and, and have a psychotic break yeah yep yep oh my gosh i read the most interesting book in college about a woman that because so you're predisposed to have certain mental yeah. illnesses mm -hmm. and you can never do anything that kind of triggers it right. and never know right but this woman she took LSD one time, had a psychotic break, had was diagnosed with schizophrenia for like 10 years. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And was, I think she had shock treatment. She was oh. institutionalized, all this stuff. And then 10 years later or something, she found God and prayed it away, basically, and was completely... Huh. Done with her. Andy goes schizophrenia. Oh. Never took. Didn't, wasn't on any medication. Nothing. So, like so when she stopped weed, it, it basically is what happened. She says she found God, but part of finding God included stopping smoking weed. Yeah, that therefore... could very well be. Well, she never mm -hmm. said that she did any drug. Mm. She, I don't know. It was an autobiography. It was really interesting. Huh. I was like this because it was in my. History of Mental Illness class, which was the history class I took in college. Well, the one concern I have, and, and again, this is becoming, you know, coming from a law enforcement family and the way that they are going to tell as in law enforcement, whether somebody is stoned out of their mind when they're behind the wheel. Obviously, is there anything to measure there's a field test. Is. There's a, a field, field test. test. Is what come down to. Yeah, didn't we talk to Officer Dave about this? That yeah. yeah he said field a, tests are inaccurate and basically not oh, worth the time. Well, well. but uh, uh, but he said if they fail a field test, you can somehow get them to. I don't know. They need a blood test. Yes, you need a yeah, blood test, THC. and the blood tests are slow. Yeah. You have to be brought in. Yeah. You have to get the blood drawn, which I don't think cops are allowed to do i think they need to like have someone who does Lab that tech that's, that's and right. if they're if they're booked out 24 48 hours it's too late by then yeah and if, and if so so what do you do you say okay thank you you're on your way that's is that the thing is basically a lot of the time that's all they can do what well, does that test include a, a bag of cheetos or a bag of doritos they outlawed, I mean, they clamped down on busting marijuana. Could you imagine the Dorito sales going? <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe that's the investment. Leave that, baby. It's a Frito-Lay conspiracy. It there is. You go. So anybody seen, what is it, Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? I've seen Barbie. I thought it was Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Did you see Isn't it, Kristen? Oppenheimer? I didn't. I'm not. A, I hate to say this because everyone yells at me when I say it. I'm not a big Christopher Nolan fan. Oh well, I will tell you that he is. His films are getting more and more complex, and the reason for that is is that when you have a certain amount of success in Hollywood, uh, directors can eventually say, "Hey, I've made you so many billions of dollars. I want final cut." Um, and Tenet, which was his last film, was. It was so damn confusing. I still to this day, and I do not want to watch it again to try to figure out anything. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to see it multiple times. But I will say Interstellar was very challenging. Uh, the second time I watched it, I got a lot more. This one is very complex. It's very challenging. It is confusing because what he does is he tells more than one story at once. And he, 
it's not like long flashback scenes. It's like one minute I'm here and the next minute I'm 40 years ago. Boom, 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 boom. He's constantly cutting back and forth. So it gets to be really, really confusing. Um, what I have to laugh about personally is that I'm never afraid to admit that something confuses the shit out of me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But there are so many film snobs, so many film critics out there that just, you know, they come out with these reviews that you read them. You, you have to take a, a Tylenol afterwards. It just gives you <laughs> this raging headache because they're trying to look smart and they're trying to be, mm -hmm. you know, hoity-toity and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not one of those people. I will come out and tell you that this is a very complex very confusing film at times. At the same time, I haven't stopped thinking about it okay. since I saw the picture that's because great. it really did. And, and, you know, that's the difference between a tenet and this. And this isn't nearly as confusing as tenet. But being that this is something that happened mm -hmm. um, and how his stance was. I will build this bomb for you. We need it to end the war. Otherwise, somebody else is going to build it. And who knows? God knows what they're going to use it for. So he was all for doing that. But then he realized he opened Pandora's box and the government wanted to push the pedal to the metal and during the Cold War. And he was basically sitting back and saying, hey, you better be careful with what we have here. Because this has, as you know, the two bombs in Japan in World War II showed, it, this destroys people. Um, so, I mean, I guess I've become more fascinated with the history. And not only that, the persecution of Oppenheimer. Because once he kind of sat back and said, I don't want to be involved anymore to the government people they tried to discredit him they tried to make him a communist because he associated with communist people in the american communist party when in fact he really truly was an american who never would betray his country mm -hmm. but they tried to discredit him uh so you know that history of how they tried to do that to me is really really fascinating and what was really great the scumbags were on both sides of the aisle nolan has never been a political guy and I appreciate that watching films. Uh, he, there's no slant. He took the um, backdoor hearings. Um, the, the Atomic Energy Commission interrogated Oppenheimer after the bomb was dropped and he refused to, you know, uh, be a cheerleader for the program. That, that's all from transcripts. So this is not a it's a political movie in the sense that there are politics involved. It's not political in the way he slants it he doesn't slant it okay so that that's it that to me i mean the movie just it has so damn much and it's three hours long but i'd have to tell you what i mean both my wife and i sat riveted for three hours huh. so it's interesting because there's a whole side on tiktok of people complaining about the length which i think is is mm -hmm. a complaint with christopher nolan films they, they tend to be around the three hour mark and there's a there's a viral video going around it's um elaine from seinfeld talking about a movie i mean this is obviously back in the 90s she's like just die already go through the desert oh, and everyone's like Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant 
Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Well, look who's here. Did you miss me, big ticket? Like an open sore Mrs. Carmex, man. Seriously, Doug, where have you been? I'm running flagship Ford in Baldwin, Wisconsin. The fireworks capital just 15 minutes east of the St. Croix? That's the place. Anyway, I've come up with some marketing slogans, you know, to put us on the map. Read these and let me know what you think. Okay. <clears throat> flagship Ford, drive a lot, save a little. Flagship Ford, you think you hate it now? Wait till you drive it. Flagship Ford, the largest Ford dealership in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Flagship Ford, where the cows are nervous. Flagship Ford, there is no ship, but we actually do literally have a flag. Awesome, huh? Read this. It's my favorite. Flagship Ford, white cars for... Oh, hell no, I'm not reading that. You've been day drinking again? Maybe. The point is, buying a car should be fun and make you giggle a little bit. This is a great store I'm really proud of. You can check us out at FlagshipFord.com or email me directly at Doug at FlagshipFord.com. FlagshipFord.com. You know, I, last night I went to see Haunted Mansion. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Not Tim. yet, not yet. But we were talking about the whole Barbenheimer situation. It was all entertainment reporters, and everyone was just talking about the fact that movies are getting too long. Either give us an intermission, or you got to cut back on the length. Mm. Because um, I, it was, I think it was just under two hours, Haunted Mansion. It was breezy. It was fun. It's a popcorn movie. There's no depth to it. But it was great. But yeah. other movies, we're just getting to the point of, like, we are slogging through some of these three-hour films, and the audience is getting fatigued. Well, we and imagine this. You have theaters. We go to screenings, Kristen, and they start the movie right, right away. When you go to the regular theater, there are good mm -hmm. 15 or 20 yeah. minutes oh, of yeah. trailer. Yeah, when so I you're barring that on to the three-hour runtime. When it says 2 o'clock showtime, the movie doesn't start till 2.15, 2.12. So, Yeah. Get rid of that stuff. Maybe show a couple trailers, but put that intermission. It's only going to benefit the theater owners. I'll buy snacks at intermission. Yeah. 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 Well, we but were talking about trying to find right. out that perfect time to go to the restroom is tricky. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't. Well, the other thing is, too, I think that um, this is this is a reckoning for the big studio, big budget movies, because the flash was three hundred million. Um, Indiana Jones is 300 million, Mission Impossible 300, and that's just production budget alone. Elemental as well as an animated film did not do well. Yeah, so when you got somebody like Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan uses all practical effects, recreated the Trinity test, which is in amazing. Um, $100 million production budget. Jeez. So you, it can be done. And I, I'm wondering at what point are the studios going to get sick of losing their asses on these big budget movies? Well, this weekend was, to me, a testament to what an original <clears throat> film does. You had two original films, Barbie, obviously a very recognizable IT, but also Oppenheimer. People did Barbenheimer and went spent five hours at a theater to go see both. <laughs> I talked about this on the morning show yesterday, but I said it was amazing seeing six-year-olds. Maybe Barbie was a little bit old for six-year-olds, but six-year-olds all the way up to 80-year-olds, all dressed in pink, coming out for an event movie. Last <clears> night, <throat> I was in Burbank seeing Haunted Mansion. Guess what? Barbie made another $26 million yesterday. Yeah. It, yeah. The movies were packed on a Monday night last night. People were taking their photo in the Barbie boxes. And people were also out there to see Oppenheimer. It's amazing to see when you give people original content. Guess what? They'll come back to the theater. We are tired okay. of superheroes. We're tired of constant sequels. Give us something to go to the movies too. And those two, those two films starting with this weekend because the Haunted Mansion is a remake 
I think Eddie Murphy was in the original yep. one. Yep. Um, they're those two, Bar Barbie and Oppenheimer, are going to dominate the rest of the summer. It's over right mm -hmm. now. It's over because Cruz, I think he was beat out by the the Sound of Freedom. He was. Wow. And that was a fourteen million dollar picture. And that and that's controversial million too. Dollar gross. You yeah. know how they're selling tickets, right? Have you you're seen Sound of Freedom? People in, right? Aren't 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 Christian groups like busing people in and stuff? At the end of the film, Jim Caviezel makes a pitch and says, pay it forward. This story needs to be told. Mm. You can buy a seat for somebody. <clears throat> so some people are buying out a theater and they're giving away tickets on social media. But oftentimes not everyone's taking the tickets. So there's three people in the theater, but the show is sold out. Oh. So they're making their money kind of through a back door, a side well, door, maybe you say. I think that you give this, any other studio the opportunity to pulled some wool over people's eyes yeah not like they're not all doing 100%. that <laughs> but i have to say that is pretty clever and it's that just a really matter cool. of when we're looking at this is the thing is like does this deserve this is kind of like the new york times bestseller list when people buy mass books for of the you know to get on that bestseller list and now there's like what a little dagger or whatever that they note like there was mass um a mass purchase of this particular book by someone you might want to do that when it comes to box office dollars because are we looking at people who are sitting in the seats and watching this or is it just about the dollars and people can buy out a theater and who cares if anyone goes to see it? Well, I mean, like Tommy and Catherine, you would you would know this because I rarely interview authors, but it doesn't really a bestseller list. I mean, we're talking thousands of copies here. I mean, how much does, does it take to sell? How many books need to be sold to make that bestseller list? <laughs> Tom, do you know? I, I, have I no used idea. to know. I think I'm, I, I don't think it's as much as you'd think no, it is. It's not, no, it, it's not. No, it can't. It I, I can't remember be. being it's, surprised at how few little, books. Yeah. yeah, but it is a badge of honor. You know, you can. It's it's a, it's it's like winning an Oscar. Now all of a sudden, the studios can use the Oscar-winning actor. Blah blah blah. It's like mm -hmm. a, a marketing. Yeah, it's bragging and, rights. Exactly. It ups your fee, whether it's a speaking fee or your salary on the next film. Being an Oscar winner, you go from making half a million to a million dollars a picture. It's more. It's much more than that bright, shiny trophy on the mantle. It is about marketing yourself yeah. and, and the people that employ you, who are more inclined to employ you because you have that those words Oscar winner forever attached or even Oscar nominated attached to your You'll name. You'll see that all the time in previews. They'll say Oscar nominated, mm -hmm. Emmy nominated. They will, they'll yeah. use even Golden Globe. I've seen that happen. So I'm curious with the strike, are we going to see the Emmys or Oscars this year? We're not going to see, I, I'm already telling you right now, we're not going to see the Emmys because they need to be planning. Late June was kind of their cutoff or early August. So I'm going to say within a matter of a week or so, we're going to hear about the postponement uh, unless the strike is suddenly resolved. <sighs> but honestly, it's even if the actors strike, because I think the studios are starting to weaken a little bit on when it comes to the actors strike, that writer strike is going to go on a lot longer, unfortunately. I don't understand that. I mean, they're not asking for that much, really, compared to the profits that are being made on these films. Well, you know who's going to pay for it is us, the people who subscribe to the streaming services, because if they do start paying the residuals, how are they going to make up that money that they were raking in before that you would seem it would seem that, okay, well, let's just boost the subscriptions yeah, but how, and make it that way. How elastic is that? Paying residuals for how is, other people. How elastic is that supply demand curve? I mean, you increase the well, fees, people, not as many people subscribe. That's true. And Disney Plus is hurting. I think Netflix. I don't know. If they, remember how their stock took a nosedive when they lost 200,000 subscribers? Mm -hmm. And since then, I mean, that's a pittance. Their really? stock took a nosedive last week, too, when they underperformed for the second quarter. So, And they lost the amount that Netflix lost in value was more than enough to pay all the writers and the actors. Huh. <laughs> and, then, and then they're all in the same boat. I mean, Peacock and, and Max, they're all in the same boat. But because, you know, obviously it was uh, a boon when um, the pa pandemic came around and streaming was at its high point and... Now people are getting in back into theaters and their streamers are suffering for it. Um, Tim, just one interesting note. Though. Today, SAG after is having a big sort of um, symposium with all of the publicists in the Hollywood area because 
publicists are now starting to think I may have to lay off some of my staff because actors cannot do any sort of promotion right now. So they're hoping to reach some sort of compromise that movies after September 1st, because all of the press junkets have have been logged until about September 1st. But they're saying, you know, hey, we need to start getting our actors promoting this work. Otherwise, things are going to get pushed to new dates. And we're going to have to start laying off staff if we don't get these actors promoting all of the studio films and TV shows. Did you get any interviews canceled because of? We banked everything ahead. Um, So we were fortunate in that. Um, And then what we've pivoted towards is doing authors, like celebrity book authors and things like that for now, just to kind of like fill in what we're missing. And that's what's what's going to happen. And that's the thing people don't realize, like, why didn't I hear this film isn't coming out? Because your favorite actor isn't able to promote that film. So come September 1st, which is rapidly approaching, we're going to see a world of hurt if we don't get this strike resolved. Hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that they, I think they have a reason to strike and I don't blame them at all. Well, the AI thing is trouble. Oh, that is, that is, that replace, that could replace everybody, director, executives, everybody. It could, I don't think they all realize that, is that that is a serious, serious uh, threat. And well, the they... one aspect that they pointed out was, and this is Duncan Ireland, what, what is his name? Duncan Crabtree Ireland. Crabtree Ireland. <laughs> Mr. Crabtree Ireland was pointing out. <laughs> Duncan Crabtree <laughs> it, it, it really is a, a lot. Um, but he was saying that, I don't know if the studios proposed this, but they want to, if you're an extra background artists, whatever you want to call them. We're going to scan you. We are going to pay you for one day. Yep. And your likeness is ours forever, no. which means they can scan all these actors and plug them into different movies, etc., as background people and for the future. For $187. Yeah. $187. Well, my big question is, what if you are... Uh, frat boy number one, like Kevin Costner was in Night Shift. There you go. And you sell your rights, and all of a sudden you become Kevin Costner, and you're screwed yeah. because they owned you. That's yeah, no, the big It's not deal. something anyone should ever sign. Unless they get no. royalties, never sign that. And no. that's true. He is truly frat boy number one in Night Shift. I couldn't <laughs> yes. believe I was watching the movie. It's like, damn, that's Kevin Costner. How often does that happen? Like a com- even un- an unnamed bit part becomes a major actor. I don't feel like it happens terribly often. Hundreds of a percent. Yeah, probably not very often. I don't know. I mean... They all have to start someplace. Somewhere, don't you? That is true, but it's like, I don't know, look at what's Tom Cruise's first role or, you know... Risky business, wasn't it? No, he had done taps before. He had, Like, um, you know, Robin Williams was in a bunch of movies no one saw back in the day, but he was never a bit part, I don't think. I don't know. Sometimes we watch very old movies and it'll be like, that is so-and-so who became, you know, you're just... Yeah, or you'll see somebody like a Robert Redford or a Robert Duvall in a Twilight. Stallone did some bow chicka bow wow (laughs) (laughs) The Italian Stallion, it was called, right? Yep. Yep. It was called The Italian Stallion. I think Jackie Chan did too, right? Did Jackie it? Chan did. Jackie I, Chan did softcore porn. I believe so. Let me make sure I'm not slandering. So a lot of public right domain now. music and that stuff. Let's hey, see. hey, Andy, be careful googling. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Chan softcore porn. You're gonna yeah, have. Yeah, you ads have no idea what will happen. Or don't, don't mess with your algorithm. Don't mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> don't do uh, it. Yes, he was in two adult films. Oh. Well, there you go. So hey, there Not you go. Your number now. You googled it. Did Asteroid City make any money? It's done very well in the independent film market. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good, good. It's you know, Catherine, you brought that up on Twitter. Yeah. I have not seen the film yet. So oh, Wes what? Anderson, Wes Anderson, I just don't get. Oh, that's my jam. <laughs> that's I love Wes my Anderson. jam. Yes. Really? I've never even heard of this even, movie. He's no. even done stop motion stuff. And stop motion is my all-time favorite with Tim Burton and now Guillermo del Toro, all those guys. But Wes Anderson does it. F- fabulous Mr. Fox or whatever. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic Mr. Fox. Or Isle of Dogs. It's like, what in the hell is <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, that oh, movie Moonrise just Kingdom. sings. I mean, that just makes my heart sore, that movie. 
Yeah, so and I'm not putting people down if they like no, it's it. It's like or me not. and Christopher it's Nolan. Just, I can't like exactly. I just don't vibe with great, his great comparison. Artistry. Yeah. Some people you like what you like, you know, and and that's why whenever I review films, I always kind of try to look at it from the audience's point of view. You know, um luckily I had my two daughters with me, um, eighteen and twenty-eight, uh, for for Barbie. And it was nice to get their perspective of the film. You know, having grown up with Barbies, having relate relating to it more certainly because they're female, and the issues that they present in that movie. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I personally I didn't like it as much as they did. I still thought it was a good movie. But you did mention a thing about six year old girls. I thought all three of us agreed walking out of that movie, this is not a movie for kids. No, it is not. I think a lot of the a lot of the subject matter will just go over their heads. Yeah. I think about like watching Grease, like all of the <laughs> double entendres went over my head as a kid. And you watch it as an adult and you're like, oh, <laughs> but, uh, but I do think, you know, I, I understand why parents like got excited while the kids got excited. And I think they're, they're going to be fine. You know, they probably were bored by the second half. The first half is kind of like that colorful Barbie world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half, you know, takes it in a different direction. But I mean, I was all, I went for a second time on Sunday and dressed all in my pink and a little, like four and a six year old, they both came up to me and they're like, are you Barbie? I'm like, <laughs> oh yes, yes. yes I am Barbie. I am Kristen Barbie. I am Barbie. I am I'm a real Kristen Barbie. Barbie. I don't know. I think well, we, we have we have to we have to ban shoes. we have to ban talk Barbie talk on this podcast because it triggers the men. <laughs> yeah, it makes them very upset. Yeah, well, Are they all going to get twitchy I, well, to find out mad about that it. being a woman is harder. Well, well this which is up in arms. This past weekend, I spent the uh, I, I spent a what goodly amount beeping? of time. Sorry, Mom's sorry, sorry. Oh. sorry. I spent a goodly amount of time Lug. with uh, the missus watching uh the fall preview of haute couture and yes a lot of pink uh being shown in, oh, the, in a lot of, of those things, a lot of the barbie influence mm. not not pink outfits <clears throat> per se but a lot of uh accent pieces and things like that which was a fascinating thing to watch so it's it's infiltrated uh, into Paris that Hilton's and i think dream and i think it was yeah. a, i think it was a you know second thought you know, uh, with the release of the movie, I think, you know, backstage people say, hey, let's get a little, little pink in here, too. Influence hey, either passively or actively. <laughs> it was great to see, though. Chris. There you go. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. Well, look who's here. Did you miss me, big ticket? Like an open sore Mrs. Carmex, man. Seriously, Doug, where have you been? I'm running flagship Ford in Baldwin, Wisconsin. The fireworks capital just 15 minutes east of the St. Croix? That's the place. Anyway, I've come up with some marketing slogans. You know, to put us on the map, read these and let me know what you think. Okay. <clears throat> flagship Ford, drive a lot, save a little. Flagship Ford, you think you hate it now? Wait till you drive it. Flagship Ford, the largest Ford dealership in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Flagship Ford, where the cows are nervous. Flagship Ford, there is no ship, but we actually do literally have a flag. Awesome, huh? Read this. It's my favorite. Flagship Ford, white cars for... Oh, hell no, I'm not reading that. You've been day drinking again? Maybe. The point is, buying a car should be fun and make you giggle a little bit. This is a great store I'm really proud of. You can check us out at FlagshipFord.com or email me directly at Doug at FlagshipFord.com. FlagshipFord.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Getting back to <laughs> Asteroid City was that Catherine tweeted that Tom actually liked it. And I, yeah. if I can recall correctly, I Tom, uh, I thought you didn't like the quirky <clears throat> stuff because like the Coens being quirky and... There's just certain filmmakers that have that level of quirk. And if anybody has defined quirk, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's Wes Anderson. But you still liked it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I liked it a lot. I used to like the Coen brothers, too, until they were pricks to me. But other than that... <clears throat> I begged was... Tom to see Asteroid City for weeks. I was like, go, you love Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is in it. You He's love really him. Good. Yep. I like yeah, you know, and I don't know what... Look, if it would have been the major film opening that particular week, I probably would have seen it, and I probably would have reviewed it, but I think it opened and limited, and then it expanded, and... You know, if yeah. you, you know, generally I try to go for what's going to be big at the box office. So, you know, the listeners, the most relatable film to them. But I did see the French Dispatch. I liked it a little better than the other stuff. But again, it's just really, and that's Wes's last film, the uh, the French Dispatch. And and it, it, was Adrian Brody in this one again? Because I know yeah. a yep. lot of yeah. West, yeah, a lot of repeat cast members. Yeah. Yeah. One I, I just couldn't stop. Ensemble. I couldn't stop looking at it. I'm like, is this? Is this CGI? Where what did you watch it? Happening? Where did you watch it? We, house, we right? streamed it. Oh, you bought yeah. it or rented it yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, Have you gosh. seen the other big independent film this summer is Theater Camp. Have you seen that yet, Tim? No. No. And I, that is just, I, I don't think it's released in Minneapolis yet. I think it's another yeah. week or so, um, but it's been a really big box office hit. Um, on the sort of the indie circuit. And anyone who is like a musical theater kid, this is this is your this is your movie how long do you think it's going to be before the strike starts affecting you you you're thinking september it's going to start affecting things theatrically yeah i mean we've already seen zendaya's movie was it competitors has already been bumped to from a venice film festival debut to may 2024 and that's just the start they want zendaya out there promoting that movie so I have a feeling once September 1st rolls around and we no longer have those interviews and those press junkets banked anymore because we're not allowed to do them and the actors aren't allowed to do them, what's going to happen? We're I just feel at, like the fall is going to fall apart. We're looking at a very, very long dry spell coming up then. 100%. But, you know, I mean, then then you still get good stuff coming out um, on streaming. I just started watching... <clears throat> Uh, Special Ops uh, Lioness, which is on Paramount Plus, put this one on your your uh, list. With Zoe, Zoe Saldana. Saldana and Nick, Nicole Kidman. It's a Taylor Sheridan show. Another one. Does he write everything? Yeah, he everything. does. But he is so damn. He is so sharp. This guy. Have you watched any of it, Kristen? I've, I haven't you know, yet, but I've heard good things about it. Oh, it's terrific! It's terrific, and I think. Uh, Tommy and Catherine, I think you'd like it. Oh, what is it? I really, if you like, uh, it's called Special Ops uh, Lioness, and it's on Paramount Plus. Is that the Just strong start- tough women? You love strong tough women. Yeah, I do. That's yes. True. Is that the? It's about female uh, ops unit in Marines. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's being blasted by most people. That's saying Taylor Sheridan's now sexist and horrible, and they're ripping him to shreds for that. Well, then why are people like the, the, the level of Nicole Kidman right. and Zoldana working with him? Man? I mean, that's ridiculous. Helen Mirren, Harrison Ford. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know what? They get very, very successful and people want to tear you down. That's because right. Well, Maybe that's Kevin right. Costner spread that rumor since they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, true. I mean, Kevin, come on, man. That's true. I'm guy. Come on. Kevin's got a lot going on in his personal life, so yeah, I think he, he does. does. He it's does. a messy divorce. Tommy, you've talked with him, I know, a couple times, and I've talked with him a few times, and I have to tell you, the first time, and I've told Tom this before, complete prick. Who? The first time. Kevin Costner. Really? He's always been very nice to me. And I kind of started piecing things together because um, it was for Love of the Game was the name of the picture. Okay. Another baseball picture. And my buddy, Sam Raimi, was directing it. And sure. Sam had a mandate from the studio to deliver a PG-13 film. 
So he had to make the proper cuts, and one of those cuts was a, apparently a full frontal <laughs> scene with Kevin Costner, and Kevin mm-hmm. was mighty pissed about it. And that's why he was crabby, at least the day, I, and I was actually in person for that. I was in New York, <laughs> and he was really pissy. And um, But the next time, though, there was a movie called Swing Vote. He came into the Twin right. Cities. Oh, I remember that terrific guy then i talked with him for black and white which is a film he he tends to risk things and and with swing vote and black and Mm -hmm. white he's more accessible because it's his money that he puts into it right he better come off as a good guy well that's (laughs) true true. you don't want to interview him and have him go off on you and can i get bad publicity but can i say how shocked i am that there's a moody actor out there yeah (laughs) surprising But uh, yeah, I, so I like him, I, I, and he's a terrific interview. It's just that one particular time, and what a way! For years, I went on thinking, "God, what an asshole!" and all that sort of stuff. And you know, sometimes you just have a bad day. Sometimes, <clears throat> creatively, there are differences that affect the way you go about things. You're obligated yeah. to promote, and and sometimes they're just assholes, and they you get the, like the, <laughs> they're like that every that. time, you know. And there's that, which I completely do not get. Who's I, the biggest I, one? Well, Ooh, they're thinking uh, about it. Uh, I don't know. Kristen, you go first, because I do have people that have been jerks. You know My worst like- one has been Reese Witherspoon. Really? Yeah. That's I can, I can see that. Oh, really? Yeah. Again. I can very, totally see that. She's, she's very she- Tracy Flick. You know what I mean? Very election, if you've ever seen that movie. Just very. <clears throat> and if she doesn't like a question, she'll roll eyes. Oh, and God. Listen, you're just like, listen, I'm here for four minutes. You know, and I mean, oftentimes I'm like, I'm not asking you like TMZ questions here. These are easy softball questions that you can like work around. It's fine. I've told you this before, Tom. This was the first. She was pretty much still a nobody at this point. She did two days in the Valley. Uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, really? Oh, she was ice cold when I talked with her for mighty joe young and again that was in person and and it's a sort of you know people are nobodies when they kind of walk out into the lounge where yeah, all the critics and yeah. everybody's sitting and nobody even looks up and that's, i had that's, a tough time with Charlize, and then this december i interviewed her and had a lovely one and it yeah, was the see, first time in like over a decade well, it's things just have changed. weird it's just weird sometimes and and you know um but one guy and i've told you this before uh the biggest prick to me in an interview more than once didn't have time for me taking calls constantly the senator from minnesota al franken oh what a show what a prick before that he was a senator oh what a jerk. once he was running for office then it's like hey how you doing da, 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 da. but before that when he was an actor saturday night live and stewart saves his family mm. and all that sort of stuff dude was constantly interrupting the interview taking phone calls you know what's funny and, about that? Come on, let's get going. Let's go. Let's hurry up. I mean, when they have to tell you to, and you know who did that to me? Kind of broke my heart. Uh, what the hell? Who was Daniel Boone? Who was that guy that played Daniel, Daniel Parker? Boone? Was a man. What? Yeah, Fest Parker. Fest Parker. You know, you, really? I tried to ease into it. This was on the phone. You try to ease into it, kind of. Hey, you know, I'm from Minnesota. You've been up this way. Blah blah blah. Just kind of ease into it. Come on, let's go. Let's hurry up. Oh yeah, you know. Also, Tom, I told you this one before. Jeff Daniels. Oh yeah, and he's always been very friendly. That way, yeah, he was a prick that way, and that was all a miscommunication because he was a half hour late, and then when they tried to call me, they couldn't get through, and then he was one of those. Come on, let's hurry up. Come on, let's go. It's like okay, and I got to the end, and I thought I'm thinking, you know what? I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) You know, there's a 30 second interview with Fess Parker by. The you? Chuck, the chucker. <laughs> the chucker? Oh, God. Oh, no. Phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our very special guest, Fess Parker. What can a name is Fess? <laughs> <laughs> and he that's, just hung up on That's what I was just thinking. So. <laughs> yeah. And he was thinking so, it anyway. So with, with um, Daniels, when we got to the interview, end of the interview with Daniels, I said, did I say something to upset you? And he goes, well, you were late. And I said, well, if you talk to your handlers, you're going to discover that you're actually 30 minutes late. Oh. And, like, blah, 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 blah. and he says, well, 
I like the way you handle it, like a like the true pro that you are. Oh, uh, there you go. Okay, you go. all right. Try and spin it at the end there to yeah. save it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what though? I still call this publicist afterward. The studio publicist is like, I'm not going to put up with this shit. No, I, I don't blame not, you. I don't blame you. Know, you know, it's just. You know what? It's just as much my time as it is his. We're right. both working here. So don't. Yeah. So yeah. it's great when you're getting older and, and uh, you give you don't really give a shit anymore. And you, <laughs> and, and you throw it back in their face because I don't care if it's going to affect if I interview him again. I don't care. So, yeah, it's always fun when you encounter those crabby actors. Well, you're helping them. You're... They should view it for what it is. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, people are being helped by their press, so they should not act like that. It doesn't make but any sense. But the problem is, and Kristen, you know this too, there are so many ass kissers on these things that they will just take it, and they'll let people walk over them. Mm-hmm. And unless you do call them out, which is very, very rare, or if we talk about it and people are going to hear your story about Reese Witherspoon or whatever, you know, they're just going to keep on with that prima donna behavior, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I always think when when Reese got it's so funny. I I've told this story about Reese a, a thousand times over over the decades, and then she got arrested. Her husband got arrested for DUI, and then she was also drunk, and it started interfering with yeah, the cop you, arresting her husband. Yeah. Do you know who I am? Yeah. And I had so many people call and go, "Oh, you were right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one line that will just kick your ass every time. Yeah, absolutely. Don't you know who I am? And I had a friend who I told that story for years, and she's like, no, 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 that's not Reese. I love her so much. And then she wound up working for a dog sitting service, and they actually had to fire her dog. um, because (laughs) Not because of the dog. The dog was well-behaved, but because of Reese and how difficult she was with the dog sitting service. Now, I don't know if you've had any encounters with him. My mentor, my late mentor in this business, did interview him a number of times, and he was a terrific interviewer, and he had a hell of a time interviewing him every time. Tommy Lee Jones apparently is. The oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a pleasant go. We used have to you had him. encounters with him? Well, he but, used to eat at the restaurant we eat at in Florida. What? That's right. You told me that. And then some kid go up to him and then he. Oh, a little kid. He's like 14 years old walks up because he was at uh, Tommy Lee Jones was there with his wife. That What was the name of that place? We used to go. We'd see him once in a while in there. That was out by where <clears throat> Patty and John live. Yeah, it's out that way. Because they, they do the horse thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, this kid who looked to be 14, 15, maybe 16 years old walks over. He just wanted to say hello. Didn't even ask for an autograph or anything. Can't you see we're eating? It's like, oh, my God. Well, I know in interviews, uh, again, this is according to my uh, mentor. He said that he did get one interviewer crying. And then there was an <laughs> oh, argument wow. between God. there was another interviewer. They, the in. The, another one of these uh, guys that had been in the business for a while and didn't give a shit. He was getting into it with Tommy Lee Jones. It almost came to blows. Really? And this is in a junket. Interview. Wow. And they confiscated the guy's tapes. Oh. So it was what? that bad. So it'll never get out the exchange between these two guys, between Tommy Lee Jones and this. Uh, and I, I've met the guy a few times. And he's a terrific guy. And you know, it certainly wasn't his fault. I can tell you that much. But yeah, yeah, that's how bad it's gotten with that's Tommy bad. Lee. Wow. Yeah, he's once, he, yeah. when's the last time he's been in anything? Wow, exactly. It's been a while. How old is he now, though? I was. I'm gonna say he's <clears throat> in his 80s, maybe. Is he really? Well, I would guess. Yeah. I know there was a movie uh, coming out called 76. The Comeback Trail. Seventy-six. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and there's a movie called The Comeback Trail that was coming out. I think him and De Niro, and it's like, okay, a movie like that should open, right? It really should, but it just disappeared. I don't know if it ever came out. Interesting. But it's like Tommy Lee Jones, Robert De Niro. I mean, what does that say? Well, can you imagine that press junket? Oh, <laughs> Robert well, De Niro. I get De Niro to talk. You mean? God, that was you know they. I talked to him one time for um, a movie called The War with Grandpa or something like that. And they stuck the two kid. It was a Zoom thing. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And they stuck the two kid actors with him. So there could, you know, if anything, you can get some conversation going between him and. He's not going to be mean you know, to the kids. He's going to be yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. No, and know. he wasn't mean to me. <laughs> yeah. But 
I'll have to show you the tape sometime because I have been critical about him before. Tom knows. We've talked about this guy before, De Niro, where I swear to God on the tape, he must have heard because he was going like this. He was going like this. And it's like, Bobby, did your team look into what I've said about you before? Because you just flipped me off. No, no. I mean, I got, you know, you get De Niro's one of those guys. You get one you get about five words yeah. on him, and he just and but you know what? Again, this goes back. Bill Carlson was my mentor. He said, "Just the worst interview." He just he can read lines, but when you put him in a situation where he has to come up with something, he said he would. You know, we'd be I'd be sitting there with him, and he'd be looking at the cameraman, all distracted, and start talking to them during the interview. I mean, the guy just and that's part of the reason why Pacino really doesn't do interviews. He never does interviews. I, he, you know, he might, if you get a guy like him, you might get him in a print interview where they can paraphrase and whatever, but it just doesn't look good on camera. It's just not enough booster seats. <laughs> That's probably what it is. <laughs> well, there's that too. But, you know, I mean, if you remember his Oscar speech for Son of a Woman when he finally did win, and he <laughs> did deserve it, um, he rambled on and on. And it just really didn't make a hell, whole hell of a lot of sense. So, I mean, it's funny how these guys can be such terrific actors, reading other people's words, but when it comes down to forming their own stuff, it's like they're lost, you know? Yeah. yeah. But again, speaking to the importance of writers. <coughs> Excuse me. We have no movies or TV without writers. I don't know what the studios are thinking. The story does not exist without the writers. Yeah. It's true. Oh, one quick Al Pacino reference. I know a friend lives in New York City. They went to a party, and Al Pacino was at the party, but he sat bundled up in a corner the entire night. He literally was bundled up sitting in a corner and didn't talk to anybody or move. Huh. Like, why would you go to a party to do that? I'd sit on my own couch at home. <laughs> yeah, you'd sit on your own couch at home. I have one question that a little re-referenced Oppenheimer. Okay. Yeah. Is it true, because I've never tried to check it out see if it is true, is it true that there was a person present in both Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Just happened to be in both towns when the bomb was dropped? Yeah, I brought that up. <clears throat> oh, you did brought it like up, Andy. a week or two ago. So Really? No, look- it, it wasn't... The, the, you know, and again, not without telling too much about the film, but if, you, if you're going to see bombs dropped, you may be disappointed. They, the, the, the Trinity test is the big moment for that. And everything else is kind of implied because Nolan's approach was, and I agree with it, Oppenheimer didn't actually see this happen. Mm-hmm. No. So he, he was only imagining right. what was going on. So mm-hmm. it, it's amazing how, I'm not, I don't want to say they downplayed it, but the way it was filmed is, is different. You know, that is a really interesting story. And, and really, to me, what's very interesting, too, is was there any sort of, how the hell did they do this test out in Los Alamos? And it was nuclear. That there wasn't any, was there any sickness that arose from that? I sure. mean, you know, was well, there any? Oh, there was fallout, yeah. Was, yeah, but people didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and the radiation exposure, they had a sense of that. But they, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that were, mm-hmm. weren't protected that well, yeah. they were exposed to direct radiation from the uh, uh, detonation. But then there was... There was fallout, but then it was the many years later when they were doing multiple tests, open air tests, where the fallout really became more of an issue, where they could really could sense it mm-hmm. and see the air patterns of the flow of fallout. Um, but yeah, they, they they just didn't know. I mean, they 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 were concerned. One of the concerns that they had was they were going to light this thing off, and all of the matter in the, uh, the world was going to uh, react. They thought the atmosphere, the it, hydrogen, I think, in the atmosphere was going to catch fire or something. That's like right, that, catch fire. It was, so was going to detonate. It was going to detonate just like oh. the sun. So, yeah, and you can see that in a clip mm-hmm. where Oppenheimer tells uh, yeah. the general played by Matt Damon, uh, the chances are near zero. And Matt Damon says, how about zero? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like how people there was the, no chance um, of the ambulance. And that, to me, that's the fascinating sort of stuff that you learn about. And it's like, man, that actually could have happened. You know, so, but... Um, you know, I you know Oppenheimer did die of cancer, and I believe oh. it was throat. Mm. But he was a chain smoker, though. So he you know. in every single freaking yep. scene, the guy is smoking. Yeah, every scene. 
And he also lived pretty long, didn't he? Uh, late 60s. Oh, is that all? Oh, that's still young. It's yeah, young, but for not at that time. I mean, remember 62. when we were growing up and oh, we thought so, uh. people who were 50 were old. I well, mean, yeah, that's and, the thing. And that has changed. I mean, maybe for the day, mm-hmm. maybe the life expectancy was that. I, I really don't know, but it was, when the hell did he die? 1967. But, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, who knows if there's any sort of correlation? Probably not. Again, it's the cigarettes that probably got him probably not. more than Well, they just upped the life expectancy about, what, 10 years ago? It was 69 for men was the life expectancy, and now it's 79, I think. Really? Seven, no, it's not 76. 76. 76. <laughs> it's a lot higher. Yeah. Well, that People falls in line then with lot. Oppenheimer because I believe he was six. Andy, you could know. You could 62. Sure, but 63? Two. Oh, wow. Uh, see, I thought it was older than that. So, but yeah, hey, but in 1960, was... what did I say? 1960 what? Seven. Seven. 1967, the life expectancy in the United States was 70. Yeah. So you had chain smoking to that, and you got mm-hmm. 62. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Although everyone's chain smoked back then, so it's like, is that really even a factor for him? Rod Serling. And I don't yeah. know that he had radiation exposure uh, yeah, I wonder I mean, because he was in he was in the bunker, wasn't he? When he when I don't think the they, I don't test. think they really like he dealt with radioactive material too no. much more was than it? no more than necessary. He wasn't assembling the bombs or anything no. like that. He was doing the calculations, doing the uh, engineering, yeah, all the engineering and stuff. Yeah. So I'll still say, I mean, as complex as confusing as it can be, et cetera, et cetera, the mere fact that we're talking about it and asking questions is a good reason to see it. Because I, I love movies like that. That and Nolan's he generally is about that, especially with Interstellar and uh, you know you're talking about uh, they're what am I they're theoretical physicists he's dealing with and all this scientific gobbledygook that you don't understand, um, but it still fascinates you to the point where you want to learn more about it, and that's to me why I like his films, with the exception of Tenet that sucked. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. In there. <laughs> that's going to do it for the day. Andy, did you find out that so that really did happen? There was one guy in both cities. Sutomo Yamaguchi. Yep. God, what a he story. was in. Uh, he was at his job in Hiroshima, and then he went home to Nagasaki. <laughs> and how long did he live? Oh, uh, he lived to be ninety-three. <clears throat> how cool is that? So he did well. How? Amazing. Yeah. How? That, that is a yeah. He, he's just like one of the people who rolled the dice and. Or just was out of got the... a very high roll. Yeah, final destination, not chasing him. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. After the second one, I would have been like, "Hmm, <laughs> I need to find the warlock that I made angry." <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.